Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Black woman. Beautiful. Powerful. Resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation. A talk, especially an informal one, between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So... We created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. How's your week been? It's actually been pretty good. Um, it has been a light week for me. I've been out of town at the beginning of the week and I had just a couple of days of work week and now it's Mother's Day. So it's a good week for me. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. I woke up to a screaming toddler kicking me. I mean, nothing like waking up to a tantrum. And I don't even know if he knew why he was ha- having a tantrum. Maybe he was having a nightmare. I don't know, but... Nothing like waking up on Mother's Day to somebody having a tantrum. Maybe it wasn't a tantrum. Maybe it was a celebration. It was like, happy Mother's Day, mommy. I don't know. He's on one today. I mean, he's been, I mean, he, he's been on one. Like, even since that time, he's been fussy all morning. I don't know what it is. That's his celebratory but, fussiness. He's celebrating you. He's almost two and, you know, terrible twos. But he has been like this morning, every little thing. Like, my God. I mean, it started like 630. It's like one thing after another. Like, don't touch this. And it's like a tantrum on the floor. I'm like, oh, my God. This is my child now. Just It's just temporary while he goes through this two-year-old phase. And then he'll be, I guess, he'll be fine. I guess. Well, then everybody says that three is the worst age. And I'm like, wait a minute. Really? <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I was just told that two was the worst age. And then last week, somebody said, actually, four is the worst age. And I'm like, oh, listen, y'all keep on adding stuff on. Like, I thought two, you're over the hump. Got to deal with it a year. But I mean, it's a year you have to deal with it. And so now I'm being told it's two years and that then, you have to deal with it. And then when he hits four, it's going to be like, and wait till they get to be preteens. And then when he, he hits preteen, they're like, wait till he's 18 and thinks he knows everything. Like, I feel well, like I people just boys say are that not stuff. that bad, though, like as teenagers. It's girls that are bad as teens. Really? I can imagine. I mean, girls, hormonal girls with their moms. Like, oh, my God. I remember I remember praying that I did not have a girl. For that very reason. Really? Yes, I'm an OBGYN. Like, I have seen countless teenage exams and moms and not getting along and uh uh-uh. Just on a different level. Even with my nephews and my sister, she had no trouble 
But when I see like teenagers, like girls in trouble with their moms, oh yeah, like I prayed not to have a girl, at least not first. Really? I would Mm -hmm. think that with girls, you actually know their behavior because you're a girl, right? Like you were raised a girl. Yeah, I knew that. That's why I didn't want that. (laughs) I mean, that makes sense. But like in my mind, I just feel like with boys, it's always the risk that someone's going to come knocking on your door and be like, "Um, Dr. Plenty, here's your grandchild. Yeah. I mean, they're knocking on my door and say, Dr. Plenty, this is your grandchild. Or, hey, uh, your grandchild is knocked up. I mean, you know, one of the two. And I hate to say it's a double standard, but it is. I'm just saying, I mean, my sister was a teen mom. It's a different standard. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely correct. Because for a girl, you have to do, their parents have to do the knocking. Like, hey, this is your kid. Yeah, We're, I remember for a that boy, conversation. For a boy, it's like, yeah, okay, we'll wait until we get the paternity test. Yeah, I mean, my sister's uh, boyfriend at that time, I mean, he went on, he played football, he did whatever. And my sister, like, played basketball and soccer. Like, she didn't play basketball and soccer. She still did very well. I mean, she graduated salutatorian, but her her course changed. I mean, she was supposed to go to Emory and be pre-med. She went to LSU and she became a teacher and a guidance counselor. She still did very well, but it's not what she initially planned to do. Her plans changed. I can see that from that from that perspective. I can understand why you would prefer to have a boy. The whole Black Lives Matter thing and like having a boy, like raising a black boy. I mean, that's scary, too. I think they're both scary. We've seen that black male or female, it's equal hunting season, it seems. So it is. It is. It, it very much is. And 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 it's a shame. I mean, hopefully, prayerfully, there'll be something that changes soon, right? Mm-hmm. But I was um we were driving through Jasper, Texas yesterday because uh, like I told you yesterday, I was like, I'm gonna be out of commission <laughs> today because I'm driving to DeRitter to go and take my grandparents these Mother's Day baskets. It's a turnaround trip. It's like two and a half, three hours from Houston. And um, we drive. We don't have to drive through Jasper. We usually drive through like Deweyville, which is near Jasper. So if you're listening and you're from Texas and you're from, I call it backwoods Texas, like that's whole, my whole neck of the woods. <laughs> so Jasper, Texas, if you remember, is where like the Jasper, Texas dragging happened in 98. So I was asking my mom, like, do you remember that? Like, I vividly remember that, but I didn't remember the details around the case. Like, I don't, I didn't remember what actually happened. So of course I get my phone out and I'm trying to figure out and Google through this. And once I actually got a strong enough signal through there, I realized like he just, you know, they asked him, these three guys asked James Bird if he wanted a ride. He knew one of them because he sold vacuums in the neighborhood and they were like picked him up and he thought he could trust these people and they like literally like beat him peed on him defecated on him and 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 tied him to the back Back of a truck and drug him for three miles until basically they severed severed his arm and decapitated him and then left his his torso in the in front of a black church i mean crazy that was in 98 and that was the first time that white men had been sentenced to death for the killing of yeah because did they have hate crime laws back then did they have no the hate crime law yeah so it was considered just like any other crime but i mean it it had to be that extreme of course to get that done i mean that's that's crazy to me and 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 we're still now doing this black lives matter stuff even 
even now. And, and so I would sit and think, you know, hopefully by the time my child is driving, you know, we won't have to worry about, you know, police brutality and, you know, Black Lives Matter will be extinct as an organization. But I mean, that was 98. You know, that was, yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. And we're still battling this stuff. This is crazy. It really sucks. But here's the thing I think that we are more aware. Do I think that we're, as a country, are less racist? No. There's been some. Well, you leave it to Biden and Kamala. I was about to say it's less racist. But I was about to say there's stuff going around on the internet like, is the United States racist? And I think that I understand the reason why they say that the United States is not racist. Because how the, because, I don't understand, but I don't gonna, understand. I'm going to tell you the only way that I could rationalize this is the majority of people, regardless of the fact that 70 million people voted for a raving lunatic this past election, the majority of the people in the United States voted to get Kamala and Joe Biden in. Right. Which means that the majority of the United States, in theory, is not racist. Right. In theory, the part that I think that they're kind of overlooking, which is a an important part is that the fabric of this country is racist. The laws that this country has were built to keep black people in a subservient position to white people. Is the country itself, the makeup of the country racist? A hundred percent, right? Like the intention of this country was that white people would be at the top and everybody else would fall somewhere underneath of them, right? But are the people of the United States racist? I would like to think that the vast majority of the people in the United States are not racist. The United States is a system, okay? The system is racist. racist. I mean, there's no way around that. And the people have perpetuated what is in place. Here's my question, though. Are people protecting their race, so to speak, like our forefathers were, where they wanted to have this like clean area no, nation? I don't think that people are or are they trying their to protect their people, money? No, I don't think either one. I, I really don't think either one. I think that people are oblivious to the amount of racism and how the system is designed. I just I really think that people are oblivious which doesn't change the fact that it's a racist system. As long as they have more money and, than and you and more power than you, I don't think they care whether your skin is black, white, blue, purple. That's just how they are. It's about greed to me. In my mind, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's and maybe, maybe it's just underlying hatred, but I just think it's about greed personally. And maybe so, and that's why I'm not talking about the people per se. I'm more focused on the system of America, the system being racist in a sense that it is set up to basically as a classism, like, mm-hmm. hey, the black people are in this class and they're going to stay in this class and the white people are in this class and we're going to always be in this class. It is set up that way and nobody can change my mind about that. I'm sorry. Oh, and yeah. I, I think that Kamala is saying what she needs to say because she's going to run for office in four years. It is what it is. You have to say certain things to be in places where you are. I get that. And I think that you have to have a certain level of blind optimism when you are um, in political office. Absolutely. You know, it's not true. You think? <laughs> okay. Anyway, <sighs> what you been doing this week? <laughs> um, Not, well, you know, working, obviously, but who wants to hear about that? Um, But you know what I have been looking at? And this is going to sound real shady. Maybe not shady, like kind of a little creepy. But the Big Willie Challenge, have you seen this Will Smith? Okay, you have to go look it up on your IG right now. Go hashtag Big Willie Challenge or just go on Will Smith's IG page. And you all who are here for a little dad bod, thank me later. 
because Will Smith has started this challenge and he basically said, you know, he's in the worst shape of his life because, you know, it's been COVID and, you know, everybody's quarantine bot is looking kind of crazy right now. But he started this challenge to, like, get himself into the best shape of his life. But he posed in his, like, boxers and he was giving us dad bod vibes and we weren't mad at it. And then the best part about it is now all of his celebrity friends are posting and posing and we're here for it. And shout out to Anthony Anderson, because let me just say that picture was phenomenal. Thank you, sir. Did you see it, Nicole? I'm looking it up as you speak. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying we for all of those of us who can appreciate a good dad bod and realize that most men do not look ripped like they're fresh out of the gym and oiled up. The Big Willie Challenge is some good eye candy for you. Enjoy. Thank us later. Now, Will Smith looks good. Now, period. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be ripped to look good. And Will Smith is is really, you know, he's giving grown man vibes. Like, hey. And Anthony uh, Anderson is giving grown man vibes, too. You know, Anthony Anderson has trimmed down. He has done, you know, amazing things. He went from Chunky Anthony to like, I don't even know who he is anymore. Hello. And he sort of kind of ripped. Thigh meat ripped. Just saying. You said thigh meat ripped. That's what you're looking at. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to comment on. That is the big Willie challenge. Oh, Lord. All right, Janine. What's on your timeline? Okay, so this has been crazy on our timeline, both in news and in memes. And look, I'm here for all of the memes for it. But this week, what is sure to be one of the biggest divorces in history was announced. Bill and Melinda Gates announced that after 27 years, they have decided to call it quits. In a joint statement, they said that after a great deal of thought and a lot of work on their relationship, they have made the decision to end their marriage. Over the last 27 years, they said they've raised some incredible children. They specifically said three incredible children and built a foundation that works all over the world to enable people to lead healthy and productive lives. So the couple started this foundation back in 2000. And the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that they started back in 2000 is now worth an estimated $40 billion. But that money actually pales in comparison to the 130.2, let's not forget the $0.2 billion that Bill Gates himself is worth. According to Forbes, he is the fourth richest person in the world. That is behind the founder of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, who we all know, Elon Musk, who actually hosted Saturday Night Live last night, and the man who actually is the CEO of the Louis Vuitton company, and then there's Bill Gates. And he's right before Mark Zuckerberg. He's kind of high up there, right? As you can imagine, the couple isn't really hurting for anything. They own a one point, no, take that back. They own a $125 million estate, a private plane, a luxury car collection, a $43 million home, different from their estate, let me make note. And according to Business Insider, Melinda Gates bought a $1.2 million cottage three weeks before she filed for the divorce. According to People, the couple does not have a prenuptial agreement. So most would think that this would be a sizable payout for Melinda Gates, But it turns out that she doesn't actually want Bill Gates' money. It's actually more like she doesn't really need his money. As she stated when she filed for a divorce, that spousal support is not needed. 
So, you know, the first thing that we're all thinking is like, what is this payout going to be like? Is she, how is she going to get this money? Like, of course, we're, I mean, anytime you're talking about billions of dollars, that's obviously the first thing that comes to mind. Melinda Gates and Bill Gates have been together for 27 years. But in this case, we should see it like, you know, Melinda basically has built this company with him, right? So she met Bill back in 1987 when she was a product manager. And, you know, for all those who might be thinking like, eh, gold digger, mm -mm. let's keep in mind that they started dating when Microsoft had pretty recently gone public and their average share price was 34 cent when they started dating. 34 cent. Like, think about that for a second. And let me just say the day, which I believe was May the 3rd, that they announced their divorce, the average share price for Microsoft, the company that Bill Gates founded, was $247.80. That's more than 700 times what it was worth when they first started dating. Okay, so I say all of this to say that you never really want to see people get a divorce, right? Like, obviously, you know, we love marriage, right? We want marriages to work, but it doesn't always work. No matter how much money you have, sometimes it still doesn't work out, I guess. So I guess this story taught me that if you make $132,000 or if you're making $132 billion, if it's not working out, it's just not working out. And as Biggie Small said, more money, more problems. Not 100% sure if that's true in this case. I don't know that they have more money, more problems, but let me tell you something. I want to have Bill and Melinda Gates money to find out what kind of problems that comes with. Just wonder what he did. You know, like, what'd he do? And um, and also, somebody with that much money, he knew that she was going to go buy that expensive cottage. That was probably a deal. Like, hey, you're going to go buy your own place because I know you don't want to be in over here. So that's fine. And she doesn't need spousal support. They probably had some some deal. Like, let, let's not do this publicly. You're going to go ahead and take this. I'm going to take that. She owns part of the companies. So it doesn't matter. She's going to have her money. So that's why she doesn't need spousal support because she's like, I own some of this. Okay. You can't get me off these deeds. I own this. So that's why she doesn't need spousal support. She has checks coming in the mail or wires coming in the bank. <laughs> Or what have you. She doesn't need his money because she owns it. So I get that. But, you know, some when you get that far out, when you get that old, I'm, I'm like, at, at, at some point, it sort of should just be sort of kind of natural, right? Once you sort of get in your 50s, it should be sort of coasting. So I'm wondering what he did. I'm really wondering because I'm like, you should be good. He should be over the, he, she should be over the point where she's worried about whether he's cheating or not, unless he's like just out there wild. I mean, she should be over, you know, him up late working or what have you, because he's now should be smooth sailing at this point of his career. She's smooth sailing at her point in the career. So I'm like, what what caused a split? I know. I know the listeners want to know. Me too. I don't know that he did something like, I mean, after you're that wealthy, maybe she's just bored. Maybe she just is like, I want to see what else is out there and I'm rich and I can do what I want. And maybe I want to explore other yeah, nothing else people. Out there. I mean, what are you talking about? Like... Well, let me tell you this, though, Nicole, you say that, but Mackenzie got a divorce from her husband and he was in his 50s and she got a whole new husband now. Jeff she got Bezos, a whole new husband. Jeff Bezos' ex-wife is married to like a teacher or something now. Like she, she married to somebody young, Spooky. He don't look that young. He just looked pretty average. Like, I guess that maybe she about, you know, 
I can't imagine what the pressure is like to be with a CEO of a, a Fortune 500 company, right? Like, I can't imagine what the pressure is like to be with a person who founded a multi-billion dollar company. It's got to be a different level of pressure. I think that maybe you just get tired of the rat race and you're just like, hey, I'm trying to do this over here. And maybe they don't agree what to do with the foundation. Like, who knows? I don't think... Cheating, maybe? Mm, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't put it past them because he's a man and it could happen, right? And he's rich and he literally could probably get well, maybe she, that maybe she, wanted. you're right. Maybe she's born, she got somebody on the side. Maybe she's gonna get married real quick. Maybe she wanna be a sugar mama. Maybe, maybe. Why not? I mean, they said in one of the articles that I read that part of, I guess, their separation agreement was that Bill Gates was gonna transfer some stock into Melinda Gates's name and he transferred a couple billion dollars worth of stock and still maintained his place as the fourth wealthiest man in the world. Like, how does that even happen? Like, how does this happen? Let me tell you something. I think I might be able to overlook a little cheating. I don't know, though. I don't know. I don't know what kind of Not if somebody's they gonna have transfer a couple billion dollars worth of stock in your name. I mean, think about it. If you can, like... Do what you want to do. Get you a, like a 29 year old teacher on the side that's going to work, you know, nine to three or eight to three and have summertimes off to travel with you. I mean, I guess so. But why is he still working if you worth that much money? That's what I'm saying. You're going to be a sugar mama. He ain't going to work no more. He's going to be a well-kept man. A, a well-kept. But here's the thing, though, Nicole. Think about it. So I don't know about the man who owns or who's the CEO of the Louis Vuitton company, but let's think about these these people who are at the top of this wealth list, right? So Jeff Bezos, we all know that he got a very public divorce in what, 2019, their divorce was final. His wife, yep. was, his ex-wife's already remarried. And then he ended up with a, I don't know if he's remarrying her, but his girlfriend at the time looked like a reasonable facsimile of his wife. I mean, literally, she just looked like his wife, but a little younger, a little odd to me, but whatever. Elon Musk has been divorced twice, not once, but twice. And like I said, I don't know about the man from Louis Vuitton, but now Bill Gates is getting a divorce. Like, what does that tell you? I didn't really think they were ever going to get divorced, to be perfectly honest. Me I'm either. really surprised by Bill and Melinda Gates. I, that was a shocker. I mean, the top, what, three out of four have been divorced or are getting divorced? Yeah, when you make a lot of money like divorced? that, it's not surprising, though. I mean, I'm surprised about Bill and Melinda Gates because they just appeared as such a united front. You know, you didn't really hear powerful couples on that level like Bill and Melinda Gates. Like everything was Bill and Melinda Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates. It was never like just Bill Gates or Melinda Gates. It was Bill and Melinda Gates. Right. Nobody else on the list are like that. No one. So I thought that they would stay together just for the namesake, you know, and you do whatever you want to do. But we're going to stay together for this namesake and we're going to keep this this foundation going for the namesake. And they probably will keep the foundation going. As business partners, if, if nothing else, but I did think that they were, you know, solid and everybody else on the list would be like normal rich people, which means that they would get divorces because that's what rich people do. Rich people get divorces a lot, like the divorce rate in the rich is high. Just saying. And I just looked up uh, Bernard Arnold, who is the one, the man from Louis Vuitton. He has been divorced. He's married now, but he had a wife prior to this. So I guess it's a thing you you get that kind of money and you just, I guess you can have whoever you want at whatever time Because you're spoiled. You you're spoiled and you want what you want. And if you got somebody that is going to give you a little pushback, you're like, wait a minute, you're replaceable. I can get you some, I can get somebody that's going to tell me yes. Just saying. That's true. But that could be the very reason why you're getting a divorce because I'm not about to sit here and tell you yes just because you feel like it today. That's just not about to happen. That part too. 
All right, Jenny, let's talk through some scenarios. Why don't we? Sounds good. Okay, so um, I have a letter and it reads, Dear Nicole and Janine, maybe I'm tripping, but I think my fiance is so irresponsible with his money. We've been engaged now for three months and we have completely different upbringings. He is from a very elite family that owns a Fortune 500 company. My family is financially stable. My mom's an attorney and my dad's a college professor, but obviously nowhere near as financially astute as his family. My fiance and I met four years ago at the Kellogg School of Business while getting our MBAs. We now both work for his family's company. Our relationship is great, but here's where I think we have issues or where we will have issues. My fiance doesn't understand the value of money and I don't want our future kids to be little spoiled brats. My fiance only flies private charter flights. He usually travels with an assistant. He has never used an iron in his life. The one time he tried to use one, he almost burned his shirt, basically had to take over before the entire hotel burnt down. He has uh, several different cars, but now I realize that he has a driver that is still being paid that we never use. I think that's just wasteful. I don't want our kids to think that they don't have to work for what they have. I have spoken to him several times about it, and he says our habits don't have to become theirs. And all I could think of was our habits. I don't have those same issues. Ladies, my honey is one of the most humble men and doesn't seem flashy, but behind closed doors, he's super spoiled. How can I make him understand that just because he does mission trips and gifts to the homeless doesn't mean he's still not being wasteful with his money? That's an interesting one because... Now you're kind of asking to deconstruct the way that he was raised. He has a different level of finances than the rest of us because, you know, we're in the same boat like you are, right? Like we're financially stable, but we're not Fortune 500 company owning stable. Not yet. So what you're looking to do is deconstruct the way that he was raised and how he learn to do things. And unfortunately, that's a that's a hard process, right? Like he was raised literally with a silver spoon in his mouth, right? And that's okay. And you should not fault him or blame him. But it is something that you have to be mindful of to see if this will work for you, right? Because the truth of the matter is, it seems to be an issue for you. It seems that you want your fiance to be more hands-on, But that's not realistic for where he is or where he's likely to go. It's not likely that he'll need to iron a shirt. Should he know how? Yeah, I think it's a helpful skill to know. But why, though? Why are we trying to have him do menial tasks? I'm a bit confused. I understand your concern about wanting your kids to, to be raised in a, in a manner that they understand the value of money and that they're not super spoiled and that they can do things for themselves and they're self-sufficient and don't always expect that there's some sort of like assistance. But at the same time, it's like appreciate the privilege that you are about to marry into. I think that that you can teach your children how to be responsible and how to appreciate things and how to understand the value of money and how to, you know, work hard and give them a good work ethic without denying who your husband is and what he was raised into and who his family is. Like I say, appreciate the privilege and and appreciate the fact that you're about to raise kids that aren't going to have to worry about a thing. Appreciate that. I, I would say, what do you say, Nicole? She worried about the wrong stuff. She worried about the wrong stuff. Who 
cares if this man needs knows how to iron a shirt? Who cares if they're paying a driver that they don't use? He is employing America. Keep these people employed during the pandemic. Do you want him to lay off this driver and this driver not have a job during the pandemic? What are you saying? We got people losing their jobs left and right right now. She's losing it. That could be somebody's I uncle agree. or somebody's daddy. Like, let them keep their jobs. And in real talk, these people own a Fortune 500 company that he's probably going to inherit. Private charter, they probably own a private plane. They don't have to charter. They probably own the plane. He's just telling you they charter. Or he owns the charter company. Who knows? Who knows? You're going to find out a lot more stuff. So if I were you, sis, what I would do is I would find out everything they own. I would I would make sure I knew what uh, everything he was on the deed to. That's what I. That's what you need to be doing. You need to become financially savvy. Use that MBA not only for your work, but use that MBA to figure out what y'all what y'all own. Yeah, he said our habits, our habits. Yeah, what are our habits going to be, baby? What do we own? What houses do we own? What vacation places can we go and not have to worry about staying? Figure that up, that out. Keep a file so you know everything. We own is what I would do. You worried about the wrong stuff. I would keep a file and know everything that we owned. And I would, listen, you don't have to iron a shirt yourself for anything. If you want to keep your driver employed, guess what? Start using the driver. I know you have your own driver. Can I hire my own driver? Keep America employed, okay? Go ahead and adapt to the lifestyle. Because guess what? You are going to have to adopt a lifestyle. And you probably are going to have to move up in the company or do something else in the company. As at least until them cheering get there and then figure out what you're going to do next, whether that start your own company or not. You're worried about the wrong thing. Who cares if he knows how to iron clothes or not? Who cares? Start a foundation. That's a way to give back. Bill and Melinda Gates, they have the, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Start your own foundation. You want something to do with that money? Great. It seems like your um, fiance gives back to the community, gives to the homeless. Let's do so in an organized fashion. You can dedicate your time to that. Give back to the community. That way your children can see that you guys are giving back. Make sure your kids go around your own family that are just regular people, hardworking people that actually go to college and that don't just have everything handed to them. But I think you're you're worried about the wrong stuff. That's my opinion. I agree. Like, let me let me talk to you really quickly. There are thousands of women that are listening to this podcast that would trade places with you in a second. So I think we appreciate the fact that we are fortunate and we go with the punches, right? Like we are not about to sit here and act like this is a bad situation, dear. This is your fiance. Your fiance is wealthy, okay? Wealthy. You know, that generational wealth that we were referring to, that's your fiance. Girl, if you don't go ahead and get down this aisle fast and sign these papers so we can get to what we're getting to. Right. Let's if you don't do that. go ahead and plan this wedding at the plaza, you worry about the wrong, worry about this expensive wedding you need to plan. Matter of fact, call us. We will give you our number because what are you out here doing? Girl, you are, right. we you want, are about to we be We want to be invited. Hello? We want to be invited. Just saying. You're about to be kept. Let's quit this. Let's quit this and tell. send us the invitation when it's time for the wedding because, girl, please. These are first world problems and let's not worry about these first world problems because, girl, you're set. Okay? Okay, friend? Right. You can set. your driver pick us up from the airport or can you send a charter? Hello? Just saying. What's your letter? 
Okay, so my letter says, Hi ladies, I'm a 39-year-old who lives in Mountain Brook. I recently came into a rather large inheritance when my mom passed away. To give you a little backstory, my father owned several patents for car parts that eventually were used by major car manufacturers. When he passed away, they were passed on to my mother, and now that she has passed on, I own them. I'm pretty much set for life, and while I am so grateful for the provisions that my father made for me, I don't want to stop working. I'm a social worker and I really enjoy my work and the ability to help the youth. While the hours are long and the paperwork seems endless, I am honestly fulfilled doing this work every single day. My friends think that I'm crazy, but it just doesn't feel right sitting back and doing nothing and living off of the fruits of my parents' labor. I really have to feel like I'm working and contributing to society to be fulfilled. Nicole, what would you and Janine do if it were you, Cheyenne? Cheyenne, if it were me, I would, um, I'll probably still continue to work. I mean, I, I get her. I love my job too. And so if I ran across a whole bunch of money, I would too continue to work. But I probably would, one, work part-time because I don't ever want to have that much money and be stressed out, right? Like there's no reason to stress myself out. So I would probably... um work part-time. And then two, I would try to make my money work for me, meaning I would figure out a way to invest it and make my money grow, whether that is in real estate, in stock and mutual funds and something, start a foundation and something to um, make my money grow and give back to the community. That is what I would do. Um, so your friends um, are saying that because they don't have that much money, right? And so anytime somebody has like not seen an astronomical amount of money and you have a friend that has it and you have that that same friend loves what they do, they're like, girl, if I were you, I would just quit my job and I would, you know, just blow that money and I would travel the world and then do what? And then what? <laughs> so I understand like you have to do something, whether that's starting a job which me, or starting a company, which means that you're going to work or investing, which means that you're going to take time to invest, which is work. I mean, so regardless, you're going to be doing work in some fashion. You're not just going to travel and just blow the money because that would be that would be wasteful. Um, starting a foundation, which is work. I mean, foundations require a lot of paperwork. Um, you have to actually start a board and stuff like that. It's a lot of paperwork that goes in starting a 501c3. So um, regardless, that's going to take work. But I would do something in addition to work to make that money grow and to give back to the community. So a foundation sounds amazing. And that way you can hire people to help run the foundation. You can get a board of directors to volunteer and make them contribute to the foundation and help raise money for the foundation to give back to the community. And that way you can help more people as a social worker too. So that's what I would do. And I think it's admirable that you don't want to be one of those people that's just like, sailing around the world and just blowing money and you actually want to continue to work. Now, I would retire earlier. Like, like I wouldn't work until I died. I would probably work until like 60, 60, 65. I wouldn't work until I died. That's just me. I agree. I definitely would still work, right? But I would make a work environment that's more conducive to the lifestyle that I'd like to live. You like to be a social worker. And like Nicole said, that's super admirable. Like social workers do not get the credit that they deserve, right? Like they really do not. But one of the things that I do know about social work is most social workers have a caseload that is way too much for them to handle. 
So maybe you start, like Nicole said, a foundation where it helps social workers. Whatever that looks like, use your money to create the work environment that you're looking for so that you can still do what it is that you like to do that fulfills you and still live within your privilege, right? Whatever it is that you like to do, this inheritance has just given you the freedom to do that. And don't worry about what your friends are saying, girl. Just saying. Wish I had those kind of problems. First world problems. <laughs> I'm waiting for them. They're going to come, just though. Saying, don't worry. I'm just, I'm, I'm, listen, I just, Lord, give me them kind of problems. I won't <laughs> complain about them. Just give them, give them to me, Lord. You and me both. So, Janine, what did you learn new this week? Okay, so... There are a couple of things. The first thing that I'd like to say, and we kind of referred to this, or I've kind of referred to this in the um, the conversation, but I'd like to point this out. We're going to say the top five wealthiest people in the world. So Jeff Bezos is number one. He's worth about $177 billion, with a B, billion dollars. Elon Musk, $151 billion. Bernard Arnold, $150 billion. Bill Gates, 130, well, it says 124.3 to 130, which we're not sure because, you know, it's all up in the air with the divorce. And then there's Mark Zuckerberg with 97 billion. Number six is Warren Buffett. He's got 96 billion. That's that's what this world is looking like. We're talking billion with a B, okay? But that's not really what I learned. So what I learned this week are some really interesting things that really wealthy people spend their money on. Some of them I didn't know about. Some of them I'd heard of before, but some of them are just like, that's cute. Okay, one of them are movies commissioned about their life. So oftentimes wealthy people, when I guess they are like, hey, I think you should have a movie about my life. They pay for it. They pay for the production. They pay for because they just want to see themselves on the screen. Um, Another thing is an elevator for your car. Why does your car need an elevator? A personal tram, I guess, to transport yourself from one portion of your house to the other. This one kind of got to me. Individually wrapped ice cubes. How does that work? That's just so wasteful. 40 ice cubes you can get for $325. Why do they need to be individually wrapped again? Whatever happened to like the ice tray or the pushing at the refrigerator so that the ice can come? Like what? what's wrong with that? Okay, we go on. A rotating garage floor. I guess the rotating garage floor would go with the car elevator. Not 100% sure. Don't have those kinds of problems. So don't know. Apparently, super wealthy people buy seasonal furniture, Nicole. Did you know that? Where they swap their furniture out based on the season? I could see that. I could see like that happening. Kind of like our closets. That's weird. I could see that happening. I could see that. That just seems a little excessive to me. But, you know, I don't have that kind of money, so I don't know. Um, And then a lot of a lot of wealthy people are moving away from having personal chefs and moving towards having food services like you know how when you go to an event and there's craft services where they give you all of the spread and tell you all of the fresh food that they have that you can have access to apparently they have that and then there was one article that i read that someone actually linked to our reddit that said they come in and if you tell them what you want for dinner by three o'clock they can get you anything in the world Hmm. how crazy does that sound i can see that the the thing that makes me the, the ice cubes give me a little bit of pause. I don't care how much money I make. What I would want is that Sonic Ice. It don't matter how much I make. I want the Sonic, Sonic Ice. Oh, yes, Sonic Ice. Coming from the refrigerator at all times. Okay. That should be the billionaire's ice. Yes. Just saying. Yes, I agree. Um, something, Some other things that they have are toilets that analyze your waste, which I'm assuming that would be helpful, right? But here was one that I was like, Mm-mm. it's they have pills that you can take. They're called gold pills that you take so that when you pee, it's sparkly. So what do they call them? Pee shimmers? 
I guess. He shivers. And then the last couple of things seemed logical to me, but still a little bit excessive. Buying neighboring houses and neighboring land so that people cannot be close to you. So buying the neighboring house so that people can't, your neighbors aren't too close and buying neighboring land so that they don't mess up your view. Yeah. People that are not rich do that though. Like people that, I mean, there are people that try to buy adjacent land just to have land. So I can see that. Okay. Now here's the last one that I was like, now this is excessive. A shadow yacht. Do you know what a shadow yacht is, Nicole? I don't know what that is. Okay. So a shadow yacht is a yacht that follows behind your main yacht. Let's talk about this main yacht. Now you have a shadow yacht. So the shadow yacht is the yacht that carries all of your toys, like your jet skis and your all, all of the, your smaller boats, the things that you might need while you're on your vacation on your yacht. And you don't want it to take up the space on your main yacht. So you purchase a shadow yacht to carry all of the junk that you don't want on your main yacht. Listen, I think I might have been on a yacht maybe twice. And that's because it was like somebody else's yacht that I was invited on. So that's why I don't know what a shadow yacht is, because I don't really go on yachts like talking about. (laughs) But if anybody's listening and you want to invite me on your yacht so that I can see the shadow yacht, that'll be great. We will come and podcast live from your yacht if you like. If you have a yacht, you should have Wi-Fi. You have Wi-Fi. What did you learn this week, Nicole? On that crunchy ice. Anyway, (laughs) so I did learn that during the pandemic, there is a record high. 2,755 people made the Forbes billionaire list for 2021. And that's 660 more than the 2020 list. And of that, 493 are brand new to the list. 493 brand new. And altogether, these billionaires were worth $13.1 trillion. Mm. And of those, how many are black? We got seven black billionaires. You want to hear? Here they go. Yep. Robert Smith, who I did not know, came in with $6 billion. So you know how you were at this person at $91 billion? Mm -hmm. $6 billion. Okay. (laughs) Robert Smith, he's a chemical engineer and CEO of a private equity firm called Vista Equity Partners. And then there's David Stewart, who came in at $3.7 billion. Oprah Winfrey came in at number three at $2.7 billion. Let me go back. David Stewart is chairman and founder of Worldwide Technologies. Okay. Because I was like, who is that? We don't know who that is. Founder and chairman of Worldwide Technologies. Okay. Three is Oprah. Four is Kanye West. Kanye West came in number four. This is the first wow. time he's made the list at $1.8 billion. All of y'all and that's then, out here buying Yeezys, you just made him a billionaire. And then uh, Michael Jordan came in at number five, $1.6 billion. That's Jordan money. Jay-Z and Beyonce, $1.4 billion. And then Tyler Perry made the list also yes. at $1 billion. So this is the first time for Tyler, Jay-Z, and Kanye to make the list. So congratulations to our Black billionaires. I am here for it. Wow. Here's the thing. If you are even sniffing at the list, congratulations right. as a Black right. person. I mean, okay? listen, if you make the millionaires list, I'm good with you too. I mean, hello. you're on the billionaires list. Hey, I'm super good with you. You only got six people on there, seven people on there. That's true. Just but, saying. But I find it very interesting that the majority of our billionaires that we just spoke of, they came from entertainment. Kanye, mm-hmm. Oprah, Tyler, Jay-Z, Beyonce. That's really interesting. 
Yeah. Very interesting. Can we give a shout out to Tyler Perry for parlaying dressing up like an old woman? Let me tell you. Into being a billionaire. I was about to say, living in your car, sleeping on the floors at the radio stations, trying to get somebody to interview you to being a billionaire. Talking about pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. Let me tell you something. I hate that term. I think that it's the most ridiculous thing because we all know. the definition. Absolutely. We all know that the system is rigged against you and pulling yourself up by the bootstraps is not a real thing for most people but this thing here tyler perry aka medea let me tell you something who would have ever thought that a six foot something man dressing up like an old woman walking around with a, a weird muumuu on running across the stage doing chitlin circuit plays would become a billionaire talking about a know- story People be people hate on Tyler Perry all the time. Like, oh, another Tyler Perry movie. Let me tell you, I watch all Tyler Perry plays. I watch all Tyler Perry movies. I support everything Tyler Perry because Tyler Perry, as much as people don't want to give him credit, he gives credit to everyone else. And now he is the person that is employing black actresses and actors now. Mm-hmm. When he didn't give a ch- get a get a chance from them. He's now employing them, which I think is phenomenal. I So, agree. yes, I will support him and his microphones in the middle of the forehead and his Medea plays and the saggy boobs. I support it all. I love it. That same Tyler Perry that was sleeping in his car is the same one that lends his private jet when families are dealing with um, police brutality, right? Like mm-hmm. when getting, getting lawyers there. Do you remember who helped Meghan Markle and Harry, when they were in a sticky situation and had no place to live and they were all of a sudden ousted from the family, remember who yeah, helped Tyler them? Perry's it house. was Tyler Perry. <laughs> so that same man who was sleeping in his car was helping the royals when they needed help. Let's think about that for a second. So, yeah, that should be motivation for y'all. So sleeping in the car to helping the royals. We can all do it, right? Yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, he's listen. All right. You ready for the motivational moment? Yes, ma'am. So our motivational moment comes from billionaire Robert Smith. And he said, you can't be all things to everyone and still be effective. So figure out what it is that you really want to do. Be intentional and in moving towards your goals. Delegate what you can and be okay with saying no. Until we meet again. Pray, work, slay. And show off your melanated excellence. Bye. Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep BWC. Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is a mean old lion media production. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.